0: Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, guide our hearts and minds so that we might hear the message that you intend for us, for each one of us in this moment. In the spirit of Christ's grace, we ask these things. Amen. Peace in the midst of turmoil. This Sunday, we celebrate a couple of significant holidays. One is Father's Day, and the other, as we've mentioned, is Juneteenth. Now, of course, on Father's Day, we celebrate fatherhood and express our gratitude for what our fathers have done for us. And on Juneteenth, a federal holiday that was just formally established relatively recently in 2017, We commemorate the ending of an institution of slavery in the United States. Both of these holidays merit deep reflection, and both of them are relevant to everyone in this room or in this space on on Zoom. On June 19th of 1865, 157 years ago today, General Gordon Granger of the Union Army declared all enslaved people were free in the state of Texas, the last state of the Confederacy to abolish institutional slavery in the United States. This historic event not only impacted those who had been relegated to lifelong slavery from birth to death, it also affected the hearts and minds of those who had been complicit or cavalier about slavery in our country. It was that date in history that the entire country had finally established that human slavery was no longer acceptable anywhere in the United States. This was the culmination of a long effort by many people, including President Abraham Lincoln, who made abolition his primary campaign issue in the presidential election of 1860. Despite the political turmoil caused by Lincoln's stance, which eventually led to the secession of the Confederate States and the American Civil War, Lincoln remained steadfast to the principles of freedom for all people. Throughout his presidency, Lincoln faced many difficult decisions that impacted the entire country and often left him exhausted and isolated but he remained dedicated to steering the country toward the path of abolition with all the heavy costs that that entailed. In our passage today, we hear of another individual who experienced great suffering while devoting himself to other important principles that were being challenged by other very powerful people. The prophet Elijah, who was threatened by Queen Jezebel after he defeated the prophets of Baal and Asherah, gods that were worshipped by Queen Jezebel. Queen Jezebel, the daughter of a Sidonian king, Ethbaal, married the king of Israel, Ahab, in order to cement a stronger relationship between the Sidonians and the Israelites. Once they were married, King Ahab decided to accommodate Queen Jezebel by worshipping her gods, rather than Yahweh, the God of Israel, the one true God of Israel that we know of today, and allowing her to prosecute or persecute the the prophets of Yahweh. The prophet Elijah confronted King Ahab about his unfaithfulness and told him that Yahweh would cause a severe drought in the land as a punishment for his unfaithfulness. After Elijah delivered God's message, the rain stopped. So the king sought retribution against Elijah, but Elijah went into hiding. After three years of drought, Elijah was told by God to meet again with King Ahab and to arrange for a kind of competition. The followers of Baal and the followers of Yahweh Yahweh were to sacrifice a bull, but they were not supposed to light a fire for their sacrifices. The idea was that the prophets would call on their respective gods to consume their sacrifices with fire, and the sacrifice that spontaneously started burning would serve as the one true, a sign of the one true God, and the other would be known as a false God. Well, as the story goes, the prophets of Baal went first, but of course they had no success. They leaped and jumped and made sounds for hours and hours, and they were ridiculed by Elijah but they had no success. However, the sacrifice by Elijah that was prepared by Elijah burst into flames shortly after he started praying to God, thereby demonstrating that Elijah, that Yahweh was more powerful than Baal. When the people of Israel who had been watching this competition saw that the prophets of Baal had failed, they rallied around Elijah and killed all the prophets of Baal and Asher. This is where we start this morning's reading from 1 Kings. Ahab, who had also been a witness to that competition, went home and told Queen Jezebel all that had happened. The queen was furious that all of her prophets had been murdered and killed, so she vowed to kill Elijah as soon as she found him. Terrified at the prophet of being hunted down by Queen Jezebel, Elijah decided to run for his life. He left the northern kingdom of Israel and with his servant and went to the southern kingdom of Judah. After leaving his servant in Beersheba, he continued by himself another day's journey into the wilderness and then rested under a broom tree. He was frightened, exhausted, and alone. Just a few days earlier, he was uh, being cheered for his success, demonstrating the superiority of Yahweh. But now, He was threatened, weak, and vulnerable. His his fortunes had turned 180 degrees, and he was now being hunted. He was completely burned out, and he wished that his own life would end. Although he asked God to take his life, he really wasn't willing to let Jezebel kill him, and he appeared to have no intention of taking his own life. He didn't really want to die, but he was in a state of depression that made him feel hopeless. As he considered his miserable circumstances, he fell asleep under that tree. After a while, he was awakened and offered food from an angel, twice, before he set out on the next stage of his journey. The next part of Elijah's journey was remarkably similar to the journey of Moses in many ways. Just as Moses journeyed for 40 days in Mount Sinai before receiving the Ten Commandments from God, Elijah also journeyed for 40 days to Mount Horeb. And actually Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. So Elijah and Moses both searched for God on the same mountain for 40 days. And eventually Elijah found a cave on the mountain there and rested. And while he was there, God's voice came to him, asking, Why are you here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Clearly, Elijah has been going through a lot. But his statement is really a bit of an exaggeration. I mean, after all, not all of the prophets, or not all of the Israelites had forsaken God's covenant, and there were other prophets of Yahweh that were still alive. But Elijah was overcome with fear, and he saw no hope in his situation. But God didn't correct Elijah, or even admonish him for being negative. Instead, God chose to inspire Elijah. God inspired Elijah by offering to reveal God's self. Just as Moses was hidden in the cleft of a rock as God passed by, Elijah remained in a cave on the same mountain until it was safe to step out and witness God. But this is where the parallels between Moses and Elijah's experiences of God come to an end. Because Moses witnessed God in pillars of fire, and clouds of smoke, and flashes of lightning. But this is not where Elijah found God. The passage tells us that there was a great wind, strong enough to split rocks, but God was not in those powerful winds. There was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. Following the earthquake was a fire, Elijah did not find God in the fire. After all of these loud dramatic events, Elijah witnessed a sound of sheer silence. And this is where Elijah found God. When Elijah perceived the presence of God, he stepped out of the cave to experience God and he heard another small voice. Again, God asked the same question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah responded in the exact same way as he had before, saying, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Even though Elijah had experienced a personal encounter with God, his response was the same as it was before that experience, a bit of exaggeration with a focus on the negative. And again, God does not admonish Elijah. However, after the second exchange with God, Elijah is instructed to return to work. Elijah is not chastised by God, but God still expects him to return to Damascus and fulfill his role as a prophet. God granted him strength through the care of an angel and has led him to a mountaintop experience with the Lord. But Elijah was still expected to answer his calling to be a prophet for God's people. Elijah did return and complete the work he was called to perform. And he continued to serve Israel despite the threats of Jezebel but she never did successfully persecute him. There are several lessons that we can glean from Elijah's story as we think about it and reflect on it this morning. First of all, for Father's Day, this is a special day commemorating fatherhood. And we are reminded again of the importance of living by principles as we consider Elijah. Although there were times when Elijah felt exhausted and alone, he remained devoted to serving God, despite the need to confront powerful people who were seeking his demise.
1: Through his devotion,
0: Elijah demonstrated a kind of strength that isn't characterized by physical prowess, but by personal integrity and character. He wasn't as powerful as King Ahab or Queen Jezebel, but he did demonstrate a strength that had to be reckoned with. Likewise, the fathers that we admire are often recognized not so much by their ability to overpower other people, but by their strength of character. Those fathers who are able to demonstrate devotion to principles while also exhibiting kindness and compassion provide healthy examples of strength, which their children will find helpful to emulate. We also find how heroes like Elijah have moments when they need help. Just as Elijah sometimes had fear and doubt, fathers also have times of vulnerability when they need help from others. Although fathers sometimes are perceived as being stoic and capable of withstanding all physical and emotional challenges, the fact of the matter is that all of our fathers are human, just like Elijah. And like Elijah, there are times when the mental, physical, and emotional challenges become too much for fathers to bear on their own. A healthy image of fatherhood includes a self-awareness of limits when the need for support is recognized and sought. Elijah needed support and sustenance, as well as inspirational support to re-engage after a period of rest, and God granted him what he needed. A third lesson we find from Elijah is the importance of resolve. Although Elijah experienced a period of doubt, he returned to fulfill his calling after a sufficient time of recovery. Likewise, fathers will also have times in their lives when failures happen. But the fathers most admired in our lives show us how to recover from those failures and reemerge in perhaps new and important ways. With a healthy dose of tenacity, not in the form of an unwillingness to grow or change one's mind, but in the persistence of hope that encourages themselves and those around them to forge through the challenges of life, fathers can inspire us to pursue the principles that God has put on our heart. These are the reasons to be grateful for God this morning. Besides the gift of life and the chance to worship together this morning in this space or online, we are reminded of this day of hope. Hope that stems from the opportunity to repent for the mistakes made in the past, as well as the hope we find when we emulate the positive ideals of fatherhood. This hope brings an internal peace that provides comfort when the challenges of life create turmoil all around us. By remaining steadfast to the principles of God placed on our heart, mindful of our needs for community, and resolute in our pursuit of God's will, we can experience peace in the midst of external turmoil. As you celebrate the holidays today and acknowledge the turmoil in the world around us, I encourage you to remember that a deep abiding peace is always available to all of us, each and every one of us, through Christ. When we seek an awareness of His presence, just as Elijah found new strength through his experience of God, you also can be renewed and restored when you discover the presence of God in your life. Amen.